Hello and welcome to the EDH RecCast. My name is Joey Schultz and I'm joined as always by my fantastic co-hosts. First up, the guy whose decks are immune to power creep, it's Matt Morgan. So I had a joke about lasagna that I really wanted to tell you guys, but there's lots of layers to it and it's just really cheesy. <laughs> oh, okay. The double hit on the dad joke wasn't prepared for the second one. Well done, Matt. Thank uh, you. Next, next, the guy who sometimes calls himself a power creep, that's Dana Roach. <laughs> Um, I know 2020 is a year of Commander, but between Hounds becoming doggos for Matt and the change to Death Triggers for Joey, I think it's the year of Commander for the EDH Rec cast specifically. <laughs> so I'm really excited to see what things Watsi changes in this game just for me. And if, just you, if, if they're you taking have no requests, idea. they can just reach out on Twitter and I can tell them how they can make their game better. <laughs> I'm I'm eager to to hear your your I'm sure myriad ideas for that Dana. <laughs> it, it all starts awesome. with three visits in foil. I'm sure it does. Way too I, I many foils. I'm fine with that. <laughs> anyway, this is the EDH Retcast. EDH Rec is the best deck building resource on the web for the commander format, compiling data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new commander decks. And here on the cast, we'd like to give all that data a little more context. Hey, Matt, what are we talking about this week? What are we not talking about this week? We have <laughs> Command Fest online, we have rules changes, we have so much going on. We do indeed. But before we get to it, we have to give an awesome thank you to the folks at the Command Zone. Josh LaCroix and the Command Zone editing team do a fantastic job post-producing this podcast to make it look as amazing as it does. So thank you guys. As always, it looks so awesome. We really appreciate you. And of course, we do need to thank our sponsors, CardKingdom.com and TCGPlayer.com. They provide all the up-to-date price data for EDHREC, and they help bring the show to all you listeners out there. So you can support the show by going directly to CardKingdom.com slash EDHREC and buy your cards from them. Or if you prefer TCG Player, click on any price link on EDHREC. That'll take you straight to TCG Player. You can buy your cards there as well. Uh, it's a great way to get the cards you are going to get anyways, but you also help keep the lights on over here. So it's a great way to do that, um, and we appreciate our sponsors card kingdom and tcgplayer.com indeed also real quick before our show does get underway our show takes weeks to produce so we know that we're not exactly a current news source so right now we're actually recording right after the cfb event which took place on june 6th uh and at the time that this episode airs that will be about two weeks ago so Folks have probably noticed that we didn't discuss any current events on any of our previous casts. Um, th this isn't out of any desire to keep the cast separated from politics or what have you. Magic as a game is about art and community, and so those things are all inextricably tethered together. And really, what we hope our show can be is a way to provide a, a rest stop for people rather than being um, the, the fear is that it could become a distraction. Um, but what we want to remember is that there are a lot of people out there who have never had that chance to rest. So I, th I think simply put, we want to say that black lives matter and black trans lives matter. And they still matter even if the news cycle right now might be trying to turn away from this by the time this episode goes out. Yeah, and, and EDHREC, we have a link to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund on our front page. EDHREC has donated. All three of us individually have donated. Our official statements on all of our social media, but it's never really been about words. I mean, there have been enough words that have been said, and they're, they're more important voices that we should be listening to right now. But now is the time for actions. So take the time to educate yourself and put those words into action, no matter what they look like. Uh, EDHREC was built by a community for a community. Members of the community are speaking out right now, so let's make sure we don't stop listening to them. 
Yeah, exactly. Shows coming out late in the news cycle, but let's make sure that news cycle doesn't stop. And with that, let's get into our main episode because some stuff keeps happening in Magic. And frankly, it's also really, really exciting, especially the uh, Channel Fireball Command Zone event that just happened. Matt was in the process of moving to a new home during that time, but Dana and I did get a chance to participate in it. So we kind of want to talk about it right there because it was, uh, I, I thought it was uh, a lot of fun to be perfectly honest. Yeah, so I, I think let's we, talk about it. We were dedicated, I think, to the show and to the to the format we love so much. I mean, Matt... <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, 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 like not everyone is invested in this. So well, what is fine, Matt. I, I take offense that slight, that comment. I, I wanted to be there. I'm very glad I did catch a few glimpses of the stream and some of the games that happened. It looks like it was a bunch of fun. Um, I did follow up with Benny Smith, friend of the podcast and Dana, you, um, a lot of people were tweeting out their experiences, some of the games that they got to to play. So I felt like I was there, even though I was really moving dressers up and down a flight of stairs, and that was not. <laughs> yeah, but it was a lot of fun. There was the uh, the stream on Channel Fireball's Twitch channel um, with a bunch of awesome MTG folks playing there or commentating. They were raising money for Red Cross and NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Um, and again, that link is on our front page. I was watching Olivia Gobert Hicks during her commentary part, and they got like to $3,000 just within the space of her commentary everything, which I thought was so cool. And then there was more on top of that. Like it was a whole bunch of fun to see the meet donation goals. And as a result of that, release some new pieces of information for Commander Legends. So we got to see some new art for a card that, uh, or at least a piece that is called Prismatic Piper by Seb McKinnon and some new art of Kamal, uh, who is going to be in Commander Legends. So that is also really exciting too, to see um, those things uh, get um, previewed just on the stream, but not just the stream. There was also the discord where you could play with other players and have them match you up with other players. And Dana, as I understand, you spent a bit more time on that front. Yeah, um, and it worked pretty nicely. Um, you know, if you're not familiar with Discord, it might have been a little bit of a challenge because you had to, you know, first of all, log into the Discord, then go to the appropriate channel in Discord and then look up what the commands were. Um, but if you spend any time in Discord, it was really fairly painless. You could just type in the power level you wanted to play at. If you knew the Discord handle of somebody in specific that you wanted to get queued with, you would get queued up with that person. I don't think I waited more than maybe two minutes for a game, and I, I, I think that's probably more than it really was. It's probably less than that most of the time. So I had no problems getting into games at the power level I picked either. Um, it was pretty smooth. Uh, then the the spell table stuff popped right up. We've used spell table before on our stream, so it was very similar to that. It was just generally a very easy experience to get into online webcam games. Wait, Dana, you mentioned our stream. Is that the stream at twitch.tv slash EDHRETCAST? <laughs> it is. And I actually think we're going to have a guest coming up um, next week when we play on Wednesday. We do have a guest coming on, actually. It is the Tappy Toe Claws on Twitter, uh, Cosplay extraordinaire. She does all sorts of great work. Um, all sorts of Oko, even though Oko is a little scary. Um, <laughs> least intimidating Oko, which is saying a lot because any any Oko is intimidating. But she's coming on EDH Reccast stream, so make sure you tune in. Um, it's going to be great. She is a blast to play with. Um, by all accounts, I, I guess I should say, every time that I tune in to see her playing, it's a blast. So yes, make sure you tune in um, and watch Tap Two Claws just destroy us in every way possible. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say least threatening Oko. I, it's no. very intimidating, yes. Most most intimidating Oko right there. We're going to get destroyed this Wednesday, 6 p.m. The stream's a whole lot of fun. Yes. We're going to be completely demolished. So so anyway, let's circle back to Command Zone. 
you guys got to play. So who are some folks? I, like I said, I know, Dana, you got to play a couple games with Benny. Um, who all did you guys get to play with when you did this Command Zone event? Um, I think I played four games. Um, I had some life stuff going on. So was, despite teasing you, Matt, I actually also <laughs> had to deal with a few things in real life. It was my nephew's 16th birthday, things like that. So... Um, I only got four in, but I played with with CAG member Charlotte Sable, um, who we streamed with actually, um, you know, a month and a half ago or so. And I got uh, games in with Benny as well. So I got to, who's who we've streamed with as well. So um, I got to get a couple games with friends, and I did two games I think that were just with random people. I just queued up and and, and got in with with them as well. So and Joey, I guess I played with. Oh yeah, yeah. I suppose it's that. Just I also <laughs> got to play. Yeah, I got to play with Benny too. It was awesome to catch up with him. I also got to play with her Royal Majesty Aaron Campbell and her friends uh, Samantha and Lucas. I also got to hang out with Angelo. That's one of our writers here at EDH Rec. He goes by at the Jess Guy on Twitter. Um, he was totally rad. Weirdly, didn't play a Jess Guy deck. That was a little strange. <laughs> cool. um, but it was really, really awesome to play. And uh, I guess what what was like the coolest moment uh, that happened? What was your favorite play that happened while this was all going down, Dana? Um, I got to use, and, and I've not forgot the name of the card. It was it was the card when we had Sheldon on way back in episode 100, I think. His challenge, the stats pick. Yes, equal treatment, there I believe, go. was equal the name. Treatment. The two mana spell. I, I had to use equal treatment at, um, in response to an attack from Joey that would have killed me. I had to vamp tutor at instant speed to put a sort of posture on top of my library and then cast equal treatment just to use the cantrip portion <laughs> To draw the swords to plowshares to kill Joey's creature, so I could survive the uh, for one more turn. I think you killed me next turn, but I was yeah. I was pretty happy with that play. That that was uh, kind of cool for me. I think it was. Um, I played against, uh, like I mentioned, Aaron. We played a couple of games, uh, us Samantha and Lucas. Um, and probably my favorite was using a sign in blood for lethal damage on Samantha. <laughs> That's an achievement uh, unlocked moment for sure that when is. you kill someone it, with sign in blood. It felt really, really good. Really, really cool. That, it was yeah. a whole bunch of fun. That That is one of those plays that everybody always talks about. It's like, oh, well, Sign of Blood's actually better because you can target other people, but it never comes up. <laughs> so when it does come up, it's just like one of the most exciting things ever. It was so good. All right. So now before we get into the next topic, which is about the rules change that happened. And guys, I'm so excited to talk about this stinking rules change. You have no idea. You have some idea because you watched me to type out a lot of show notes about it. We, but, we, have, a, uh, we have a private chat with you, Joey. We know how excited you are, but the <laughs> listeners don't. Uh, yeah, well, I yeah. To, to be upfront, like the command summit thing, for example, is happening with the command zone where they want to hear the opinions um, from all of the different commander luminaries out there. And one of the things that I was fervently working on is like, what rule would you change? And I was like, death triggers, death triggers, guys, we need to record this thing about death triggers. I'm really excited. And then they wouldn't change it on, on me anyway. And I was just like, oh. <gasps> I mean, I don't get to talk about this on the command summit thing anymore, but man, I'm so excited. So before we get to this. Let's challenge some stats because I think as soon as we get onto that topic, I'm not going to be able to stop. So let's <laughs> circumvent that real quick by talking about some stats that we want to challenge. Let's get that out of the way so we can focus on death triggers later. Matt, start us off so that you make me shut up and stop talking because I realize I've been doing it for about a minute. Straight. All right, Joey, stop talking and listen to a challenge of stats. That actually comes from a listener. So they suggested a card is Power Matrix. This is an artifact for four mana. You can tap it, and it says target creature gets plus one, plus one, and gains flying, first strike, and trample until end of turn. Now, I was very intrigued by this card in a certain deck that it's not actually showing up at all in, and that deck is Audric, 
Lunark Marshal. So Audric is the three and a white uh, legendary human soldier. Um, and basically it's at the beginning of each combat, creatures you control gain first strike until in turn as long as you have a creature that has first strike and it does that same ability for all sorts of keywords. And the reason I like Power Matrix is that it can come down on turn four and taps right away and it gives three different keywords to all your team essentially as long as you have Audric out, which is extremely powerful. So currently, there's 431 Audric decks out there. Power Matrix is showing up on less than 5% of those decks, as in it's not showing up on the page at all. And I think this is some sweet little tech, courtesy of the listener, that I really want to shout out. It is such a good card when you can give basically four mana to pump up the team with three different keywords. I think this is something that any of you mono white players out there should keep an eye on. That's really cool. I'm actually going to jump in now with my challenge because mine also has something to do with keywords. I'm looking at the card Monvoli Beast Tracker. This is a three mana two one green human scout. And when it enters the battlefield, you search your library for a creature card with death touch, hexproof, reach or trample and reveal it and then put Uh, You shuffle your library and put that card on top of it. And you may already get a sense of where I'm going with this. This is a card that can totally show up for the new commander, Cathral Aspect Warper, the five mana, uh, three, three nightmare insect that takes keywords from creatures out of your graveyard and then distributes them across your entire board. This only shows up in about 8% of the Cathral decks available right now, aka it doesn't show up on Cathral's page at all. And if you're playing Cathral on maybe a bit of a budget and don't have, you know, the 50 or whatever dollars to play a worldly tutor to get the creature that you want. Monvoli Beast Tracker is going to get you a creature on top of your library that will have any one of those keywords and then probably some more as well. And Cathra is also really good at playing cards that will mill cards from your library, like a perpetual timepiece you could use, for instance, to get that right into the graveyard if you actually need it. So this is a really interesting, very flexible tutor to find you the keywords that you need for this deck as well. So uh, Matt, we're on a, a wavelength I think about getting those keywords where they need to be. Keywords are always important, I guess. So yeah, I I like that you are uh, thinking the way I'm thinking, the way that the listeners are thinking. So uh, we're thinking a lot here. (laughs) There you go. Dana, how about you? So uh, my pick this week is going to be an old enchantment from Urza's Saga, although it's had a few (laughs) reprints. So it's not just an old obscure card. It was reprinted as recently as Conspiracy. Uh, And that's Pariah. It's two and a white for an enchantment aura. Uh, all damage that would be dealt to you is dealt to enchanted creature instead. So, you know, worst case scenario, it probably buys you a turn because it's going to functionally be a fog and the creature will die, but it will save you from all damage until that creature dies. But where I think it is underplayed is in basically any of the, the god commander decks that are capable of running it, particularly the mono white ones, because they're relatively easy to to actually turn on and have them be creatures to put it on versus like Kara Metro where it requires seven pips. Um, if you're playing a Ketra the True or, or a Heliod in particular, a Heliod, either of the two Heliods that have devotion requirements, really, really easy to get them to become creatures. And they'll survive any amount of damage dealt to you that gets dealt to to, to the creature then via Pariah. But I mean, there's also Zapalta, Primal Dawn. There's Avacyn, Angel of Hope. There's quite a few indestructible commanders in Mono White. And I think more of those should be running Pariah. It's only in 1,500 decks right now. Dana, is there a reason that you're mentioning this particular card that you used to my detriment in the games that we played during the CFB event? It's also really good, Joey, <laughs> if you're playing Stuffy Doll in a deck. And like, was... if you name Joey and then put a Pariah on your Stuffy Doll, 
So any Fantastic. damage that I deal to Dana gets dealt to the stuffy doll. So then it's dealt to me. Yeah, it's. it's I great. I really like this challenge, great. Dana. I actually I remember many years ago I had I was playing Rafik of the Many and somebody put a Dark Seal mutation on my Rafik. So I then just put the Dark Seal or I put a Pariah on my Rafik so that it was just indestructible and just absorbed all the damage. It wasn't quite as good as the stuffy doll interaction, <laughs> but it was very good. So I I love this pick. Pariah Shield is the 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 artifact version of this, which I've put on a Phyrexian Obliterator and oh, oh my goodness. Y'all are nasty. Y'all are so mean. Good. I love this. This uh, is great. We we're being very mean with with Dana's challenge. So let's let's let Joey talk about the rules change and we'll we'll get this part out of the way. <laughs> that will make him happier yes. than the pariah on a stuffy doll for sure. Oh man. Okay, you guys. Yeah, this I am I am so so excited. Like I mentioned, this is a change that I've been really, really excited to see. They have changed a rule for Commander, the way that your commander interacts with dying or being exiled, going to the, the command zone replacement has changed, and this is a thing that I've been wanting to happen for so long. So let's get to the official wording here. Now the rule states that if a commander is in a graveyard or or in exile, and that card was put into that zone since the last time state-based actions were checked, its owner may put it into the command zone. Separate from this, but also still connected, if a commander would be put into its owner's hand or library from anywhere, its owner may put it into the command zone instead. This replacement effect may apply more than once to the same event. So, a commander going to the graveyard or going to exile used to be a completely just a replacement effect, so it would never actually touch the graveyard. Now, it does touch the graveyard, and then it goes to the command zone, so it will trigger things that count on death triggers, including a commander's own ability. I am so excited about this. I am so, y'all might need to take, like, this is going to have ramifications on the way that we play a little bit, so let's talk about some of the things that this will affect. We're really excited to see what this will do, but I'm just so excited, because this is what, this is what I feel like so many of us do anyway. All right, I need to stop talking. Y'all yes, take it away from me. What are some commanders that will be <laughs> affected by this change there's already one on the tip of everyone's tongue right now i'm this is a very disorganized show it just became a disorganized show because i'm so stupid okay joey so, so I'll, i'm gonna take the reins here simmer <laughs> okay. down a little bit take a deep breath um so anyways like you said commanders that die that, that need to be dying at least um i think the single most benefited commander i don't think benefits a real word but <laughs> the commander that benefits the most i should say uh from this change has got to be a lend of the dusk rose uh it used to not work. One of my challenges a while back was Nightmare Shepherd, which when a creature dies, you can create a 1-1 token of that and then you exile it. Um, so Alinda needs to die in order for her, her trigger to happen where you get all sorts of 1-1s equal to the power of Alinda. That didn't happen with the old rules because Alinda would never actually die. So now that Alinda does, this, oh my gosh, I have a Taysa Karlov deck with Alenda in there. I might actually put Alenda at the helm now because this this change is very, very fun. I think the old rule was what was holding Alenda back from being more popular than she is. And I think this change does actually open the door for Alenda decks to get explored a little bit more moving forward. R right, because you could get those triggers if you had Alenda as your commander, but she would have to stay in that graveyard. Right. So then you'd have to find other ways to reanimate her as opposed to regularly casting her again from the command zone. Now you don't have to do that. You can just have her get that death trigger and then also and be then able go to, to the command her. zone. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can play her again. So the entire strategy of the deck isn't just a one time effect for the commander's death trigger. This isn't the only commander that has a death trigger, though. There are a couple of other ones out there that we should address that might see their numbers influenced by this change. Well, the other big one that jumps out at me is Rolesque Apex Hybrid from War of the Spark. Uh, Rolesque is two green, green, blue, five mana for a human mutant because Simic. Um, <laughs> 
And, and the important text here is when Rolesk dies, proliferate, then proliferate again. So previously, if you want to take advantage of that, you had to put your commander in the graveyard, same with Alenda, and that can cause issues and can be tricky to then get it back in play, particularly in blue-green. At least Alenda, you're playing in reanimation colors. That's not really the case um, for Rolesk. So if you want to build that Rolesk you know, poison deck or something, it's way easier to do it now because you can still sacrifice Rolesk to get that double proliferate trigger and then not have to worry about how you're going to recast it. You can then bounce it back to the command zone and do it all again. Yeah, absolutely. Those commanders that have death triggers that don't include colors that might allow you to reanimate them, that could be especially tricky. And even with Alenda, sometimes I've seen the the few folks who do have an Alenda deck that had to bajukabog their own graveyard, for example, to be able to exile her from that zone, which then allowed them to use the replacement effect to go to the command zone because that is a zone shift. And like that is a step that you no longer have to take, which is really cool. But I don't think that Roelesk will even actually see as big of an impact as another commander, Child of Alara. This is a five color 6-6 six, six legendary creature avatar with trample for reasons. Uh, and it says whenever <laughs> it is put into a graveyard from play, you destroy all non-land permanents and they can't be regenerated. This, again, was something that you would have to put into the graveyard to actually get that huge destruction effect. And now it can actually go to the graveyard, zoop then afterwards to the command zone and get routine destruction for a very uh, controlling five color deck. And I think that that could revive a lot of people's attention in this particular five color commander to repeatedly get that controlling ability. Um, so I expect to see some numbers boosting on there by the time that this episode airs. I, I, and I know a few people out there that I've seen uh, their reactions to the rules change are, oh great, Child of Alara, there's going to be that deck around now. I think people are going to find ways to play that type of Child of Alara for no matter what the rules were. Um, there'll be a few people that kind of skirt and, and get into the bad spirit of the game, uh, but that's going to happen anyways, I think. So I, I'm not too terribly worried myself, but I do understand where those concerns are coming from because, yes, having everything blown up all the time does get pretty old pretty quick. At the same time, there are so many five-color commanders out these yeah. days that do so many bonkers things yeah. that I feel like they're still going to yeah. take a lot of the spotlight. I, well, to me, it's more Child of Alara. I understand having everything blown up, whereas Najila, another five-color commander, they're just going to combo you out and win the game. You shuffle up and play again. <laughs> Child of Alara doesn't let you win or lose the game it just drags it out and it's not a very fun commander i i will agree 100 percent child of alara playing that type of child of alara deck it's not a fun experience and that that would be my main concern but i think the social aspect of the format will keep that specific deck from from getting too out of hand well and specifically the thing that has me so excited about this is that that absolutely seems like a trade-off that i'm wanting to make to make the game play the way that people already mm -hmm. thought that it would play sheldon menory specifically stated when this rules change was announced that one of the big pushes forward is because even people who are on the commander advisory group didn't know that this particular rule worked <laughs> the way that it's supposed to at that time because it isn't intuitive. I barely could understand it and I've been playing this game for a while and when you try to explain it to players it doesn't really quite make sense and it just shuts off access to commanders like Alenda that are exciting. I think one of the biggest examples of this would probably be uh, the Gruul Omnath, the Landfall Omnath Locus of Rage, who creates elementals when you play lands and whenever your elementals die deals through damage to something. I've seen a lot of players, and I think I was among them, who, when the elementals die, 
yeah, I'll throw three damage around. And when Omnath gets destroyed by like a Wrath of God or something like that, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll deal three damage when Omnath dies. But Omnath never actually died. It went to the command zone. So that was an erroneous, that was an incorrect three damage. But it's so intuitive to think that you're supposed to get that. So now really, I mean, I keep saying that this is a shift, but really it feels as though it's actually bringing the rules in alignment with what people were already doing and that's what makes it such a great rule because it makes them more intuitive to what people were actually physically doing in the first place. And that it, it just makes so much more sense that way. Well, well, like in almost every game I've ever played where there's one of those commanders that cares about what stuff went to the graveyard or what stuff died, I guess, technically, you always get that how many creatures died after that board wipe and you get the seven or you know 10, whatever the count winds up being. And then somebody notes, well, command your commander didn't count. Right. Oh, I guess it was only six, whatever. So like the amount of t times that that was done correctly the first time versus the number of times it was done incorrectly the first time. I mean, it's it's almost almost always just even if you knew the rules, people just like defaulted to just counting the creatures that died, even if you knew that commanders didn't count. Yeah, it was right. it was always how many creatures died minus three. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That, 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 was, that was that was kind of the, the unofficial rule. But I think. And I know this is sacrilege to say, but like mono red actually gets a little bit better too, because there's there's a fair amount of mono red commanders that care about creatures dying. And I know it's kind of corner case, but uh, Pashalik Mons, Tuk Tuk, uh, that's one that actually probably benefits a, a good amount because Tuk Tuk the Explorer has to die specifically. Um, but also the new one from Theros Beyond Death, uh, Annex Hardened, Hardened in the Forge. All of these creatures care about you know creatures dying, so having them not count for themselves, it was kind of a weird situation. So it's it's nice that those three commanders specifically for mono red got a little bit of a boost. I'm really interested to see uh, one of the other commanders that has a death trigger that is really really big is Kokosho. Usually I use that in the 99 of decks because it's really fun to steal five life from all of the people over and over again and revive it over and over again. No, it's um, so not. I'll be. It's not joy. Stop uh, your definition of fun is weird, man. Um, but I really enjoy, I, I would really enjoy seeing how those decks actually shift if they even do, because in a commander like that, it might still end up being easier to just rely on Kokosho actually staying in the graveyard in the first place rather than paying eight mana and then 10 mana. But this opens up like just an option that I think is really great. Um, let's go to what you guys mentioned there about cards that care about creatures dying specifically when it comes to your opponents, because it's not just stuff like Alenda that will be improved. It's also commanders that care about death triggers when your opponent's stuff dies. That is a thing that we should touch on too, because Dana, I think you actually particularly have some commanders that care about death triggers. And this gives you a, a access to a couple more of them. I mean, it's very, very relevant in Gliss the Traitor for sure, since, you know, she brings an artifact back to my hand from my graveyard whenever a creature dies. Commanders have always, prior to this point, skirted around that. They, they, they didn't die. They do now. So that's just that many more opportunities for me to bring back that Mistress Bobble that I've sacrificed to draw a card um, back to my hand and, and replay it and then probably miss that trigger. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that's a great example. That's just one where, again, you're doing that how many things died, minus three, and I no longer have to keep track of that. Another one that you have, you have a crush deck as well, and yep. that gets plus one counters equal to the power of things that die. Well, now you can happily kill commanders and crush will grow, 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 grow. Especially a lot of times, you know, not in every deck, but like there are some commanders that get ginormous and it always does feel bad to not get counters when you kill that huge swole um, Korvald or something. Well, now yeah. you will get the, the, the bump from that for sure. 
unless they want to keep it in the no that would if they keep it in the graveyard there's no way about that yeah. oh man yeah. the pressure's going to be so big that's great well and joey i know you have a commander too that benefits quite a bit from this as well as you know it, graveyards and, and joey just go hand in hand so joey what what commanders are you excited personally for I, I've been worried for a long time that my desire to see this rule change was born specifically from the number of aristocrat strategies that I choose to play in Commander. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have a Sir Conrad the Grim deck who deals a damage to each opponent whenever creatures hit the graveyard from anywhere, including when they die. So now, when your commander dies, because I've used a plague crafter or something to make you sacrifice it that's even more damage i'm so excited well uh, joey i would warn you i remember i do have this kind of make a wish open with watsi um since you guys got <laughs> yours so i might <laughs> use it on conrad let's not get too overhyped about it i might have to make some changes there but i agree Man. it makes an already really really strong commander that much stronger yeah and there are plenty of other commanders out there too that also care about uh when your opponent's commander's now dying for example mathis fiend seeker can put bounty counters onto creatures and you could never really put them onto a, an opponent's commander because it would always just have a replacement effect and it would never hit the graveyard and you wouldn't get the bounty counter effect of gaining life and drawing a card so that always kind of stymied the the ability for Mathis. And I think that this could improve his numbers just just a little bit. I think Queen Marchesa probably still does the Mardu politics um, more famously than Mathis will, but that's a nice improvement that actually opens up uh, the ability to play that card more often because you can put bounty counters on opponents' uh, commanders now, which I think is really great. Yeah, and there's a couple other commanders. There's stuff like uh, Toshiro Umazawa that gets a little bit better because of this rules change. Uh, one that I think probably is going to get a little bit of a boost just because it wasn't really great to begin with, but it's a little bit of a help is stuff like the Scorpion God where you can have, uh, you can put a minus one, minus one counter on somebody's commander, then it dies and you'll draw cards from that. So it is helpful too. And you can put a, you can put a minus one, minus one counter on Scorpion God itself and then sacrifice it for whatever. <laughs> and then you draw a card off of itself because that was another little corner case that always seemed weird that you weren't able to draw a card off of itself dying. So there's plenty of lesser known commanders too, not just the ones that, you know, we like to draw lots of attention to um, Cheville Bane of Monsters. I mean, I know we didn't have sterling reviews for Cheville in our set review. It's not great still, but it is a little bit better. It's kind of in the same vein as Scorpion God. Uh, kind of in the same vein as Mathis, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure that his numbers are going to improve. Like that, he's still kind of eh. Well, <laughs> even, I mean, even both Cheville players might get a third to join them. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's, you could do a three-player game with that at that point. So, that's really scathing oh, and really was... funny. Uh, in terms of new commanders, actually, um, from the most recent Ikoria stuff, Kelsian the Plague, who gets experience counters when the thing that he pings dies um, and therefore gets bigger on that, he can now ping enemy commanders. And then if those go to the graveyard and then back to the command zone, that would also net you an experience counter too. So that's another uh, great improvement considering stuff from the recent set. So there's a bunch of commanders um, that will improve based off of opponents' creatures dying too. But now let's talk about cards in the 99, because this is, I think, really one of the bigger shifts. It isn't just about cards in the command zone, but this also opens up a handful of cool synergies to cards that you'd actually be playing in your deck that care about things dying. And let's just go through some of those that we think will also be impacted by this. Well, I, I mean, Revel and Riches is one of my favorite black cards that cares about opponents' creatures dying. You just get all the, the, the treasure tokens. So seeing that is, is going to be a little helpful, but also stuff, uh, Black Market is another good card that's going to get a lot of counters from it. Uh, Massacre Worm, it's a new card getting, or not new card, but getting a new reprint, I should say, in uh, Corset 21 that's going to certainly benefit from seeing another creature die and dealing two more damage to everybody else. So yeah, 
Well, to jump back to black market, or excuse me, to Revlon Riches just for a second, I can think of multiple times, not just once, but like multiple situations where the lack of commander generating the treasure token has what has kept me from getting the the win the game all win condition off of right. Revel and Riches. It's you know, you only have to hit ten and when you're doing a board wipe and you're not getting three of those creatures because they're commanders, that makes a huge difference. And I, I think that's going to really be something that I think people playing Revel and Riches will feel to the positive. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that is really important for me, I would say, is just that the aristocrat strategy I'm going to put an asterisk on this, but the aristocrat strategy really does get a, a boost from this because now blood artist is going to count if your commander dies or if your opponent's commanders die. Um, you'll get a bunch of pings off of those type of effects. If Conrad is in the 99 of your deck, and let's like my Marin deck, for example, Marin of Clan Naltoth, love the graveyard stuff. It's really great. It's really, really savage. I should probably stop playing aristocrat so much, but it's really great because if Conrad's in play and then my Marin dies, let's say I sacrifice it, Marin will go to the graveyard, Conrad will trigger, deal the damage to everyone, and then Marin will leave the graveyard going to the command zone. Conrad will trigger dealing another damage. I confirmed this with Sheldon Menery because I asked him like, hey, does this work? And he's like, yes, Conrad is very saucy. And I was like, yes, I'm really excited about that because I get to do more damage off the commander. So like all of those death triggers are just going to be so great. I'll go back to that asterisk really quick though, because like this is an improvement, yes, within the rules, but also at the same time, this feels like what a lot of people were doing anyway, because it feels so intuitive to do that, to get a ping off of someone's uh, thing dying if, you know, the board was wrath or whatever. So I keep saying improvement, but I again need to temper that because I feel like this really just does bring things in line with what we already uh, were intuiting ought to happen within the game. So it's not a dramatic shift, but it is still a, it's nice to have that intuition within the rules. Anything that makes the the game kind of easier for people to play and easier on new players to like this is a crazy complicated game and anything to kind of clean that up a little bit and get rid of those weird corner case rulings i think is probably for the best well i know i'm very very excited to put dead man's chest onto crash when i'm playing against yeah. dana <laughs> because so dead man's chest uh, whenever you put it on an opponent's creature when that creature dies you exile the top x cards where x is the creature's power i believe uh mm-hmm. and then you can play those cards well if dana's crash is like a you know 150 150 or however big it is um we're just going to just beat dana <laughs> so that's kind of neat actually yeah oh there are tons of cards that f- feels like you weren't ever really incentivized to run them because you couldn't put them onto a commander remove the commander and then get those things like the dead man's chest that you mentioned i've got some other favorites here that i want to see people play um do you know the enchantment creature bond the that, answer is no. No one no, knows what this no, card does. Yeah, it, it is a two mana blue enchantment. Uh, enchant creature. When enchanted creature dies, creature bond deals damage equal to that creature's toughness to the creature's controller. So if he's got a really big crash over there that's getting up to the 30s or 40s, this is a blue enchantment that you can put onto that and say, hey, if that commander dies, you're going to be dealt damage equal to that creature's toughness. Here's another one. This is a card called Death Watch. One mana black enchantment. If the enchanted creature is put into a graveyard, that creature's controller loses an amount of life equal to its power, and you gain life equal to its toughness. So again, if you got a big commander, these are some enchantments that could really punish that if those commanders would die. I'm excited to see if any of the numbers on these enchantments move, because that's what's up. These are weird. I'm having an identity crisis right now, because I talk (laughs) about playing death type cards and and graveyards and everything, and all of a sudden, Joey's talking about all these old cards that nobody's heard of. (laughs) So that means, Dana, you have to say just something absolutely ridiculous that doesn't make any sense and talk about Selesny for five minutes. 
I can't so wait good. to play this in my Chulain deck. <laughs> um, <laughs> Very the one out of that jumps out at me here is Thornbite Staff. I, I played in my Glissa deck, and I oftentimes have to be cautious, um, particularly if I'm playing with Viridian Longbow and trying to like get that chain gun going to wipe the entire board. But you have to make sure you kill people's commanders last because that will shut that off as it doesn't generate the trigger to untap Thornbite Staff. That's no longer an issue. You can just chain gun the board without having to be cautious. Right, because you have a Death Touch creature, Thornbite Staff would allow you to deal a damage to something, but then if a creature dies, it untaps? Yep. Perfect. Previously, it was, you know, you couldn't always do it all the way through, and and now you just can. That's really great. Another enchantment, I'm going to keep talking about stuff that I love, the Vicious Shadows, you guys. Seven mana red enchantment, whenever a creature dies, you pick a player and deal damage to that player equal to the number of cards in their hand. Die, commanders, die. Oh, that is just saucy, right? These are so, so cool. Well, I mean, like even stuff like, what is it, Goblin Sniper, uh, when it untap it untap the goblin pinger that untaps when a uh, creature dies. Goblin un- sharpshooter. Sharpshooter. There it is. Um, yes, that's another little like minuscule corner case scenario that is just going to help another random card. But let's get into cards that care about your own commander dying. I know Joey, this is something that you are what we call a connoisseur of. So what are some <laughs> cards? Maybe some equipment, some some enchantments that care about your own commander dying. What's going to help there? I so I I hate to completely ruin your segue, but there was one more card that does care about enemy stuff dying that since we've talked about Alenda a handful of times, Blade of the Blood Chief gives Alenda counters when other things die and more if that like, sorry, that's just one final interaction that I wanted to point out. Now I'll follow your segue. Okay. <laughs> Creatures dying. It's so good, guys. It's so good. I'm so excited. So Blade of the Blood Chief in a lender. Those are both great benefits. Uh, but cards that care about your own commander dying, I'm excited to put a skull clamp on my commander and have it be meaningful. Sure. That, that's one that gets screwed up so, so often where someone puts a clamp on their own commander just mm-hmm. because they think it's going to die or they're going to board wipe. They board wipe and are like, sorry, you don't get to draw your cards. <laughs> um, that's a super easy mistake for people to make, and that's just no longer going to be a thing. Yeah, or the Moldervine Reclamations and Grim Horrispexes of the world. Those will also now, if I sacrifice a commander, I can still draw a card off of those abilities. So, I mean, I'm really excited about those two. I get to draw cards off of more death, 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 death. It feels great. Well, and, and I'm really excited, actually, to see Nim Deathmantle. That's something that you can actually let your commander, you know, truly die this time. Um, and then you just resurrect it back. So I think that's another card that's going to get some... Uh, some extra love right there. It's going to be interesting. Uh, another one that I'd love to point out, there's a lot of, th- this is sort of just a category, um, so I probably won't be able to name, but you just named an equipment. I think there's a lot of equipment that really benefit from this. A card that came out in Commander 2017, uh, the tribal set was Heirloom Blade, three mana artifact that gives the equipped creature plus three plus one. And whenever the equipped creature dies, you reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature card that shared a creature type with that equipped creature. You put that card into your hand, the rest on the bottom of the random, uh, on the bottom of your library in a random order. So now you can actually put this onto your commander. And if the commander perishes in battle, you will actually get that effect to go find another, let's say another cat or another vampire or something like that. So this is great because I remember playing in that pre-con environment with the commander 2017 decks, folks putting this equipment onto their commander and then realizing, oh, wait, that doesn't actually get me the card like it should when I put this on the commander. There's a handful of equipment that I think function like this, which is really, really great. Um, another one, Forebear's Blade, for example. When the equipped creature dies, you can attach that Forebear's Blade to another creature that I believe shares a creature type with it. Your commander can be the creature that dies and you put that equipment somewhere else. Like Those are just small interactions for equipment that I think are, are really great. There's a lot of those synergies to look out for. So look around for equipment when you're uh, seeing how things will be affected when they die. Well, so... We're talking about a lot of black cards. 
I'm going to shift. Let's talk about Selesnya cards here. So of course, <laughs> there, there's going to be stuff like fr- uh, Fruit of the First Tree. It's a not very well played uh, enchantment from I think it's Fate Reforged. Uh, so when an enchanted creature dies, you gain X life and draw X cards. Where X gain is you know the toughness of that creature. So it's going to be a good way to build up a big commander, then sacrifice it, draw some cards, gain some life be pretty good. Uh, but also Angelic Destiny is a card that I've always wanted to put into more decks and just never have. Uh, that's one where it, you enchant a creature, enchant a creature gets plus four, plus four, gains flying first strike, and is an angel in addition to its types. But the important part is when enchanted creature dies, return Angelic Destiny to its owner's hand. Very, very good. Slesnia players rejoice. We can care about death triggers on our commanders now. <laughs> <laughs> you found it, Matt. I'm I right. found it. Full circle. <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of auras that benefit from this, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, even Pattern of Rebirth. Not an aura, but <gasps> Pattern of Rebirth, guys. That, that That's an aura. When the enchanted creature dies, it turns oh, into another it creature. Is. I thought it was a You rate. can put that under the command. Oh, my good Matt, you've unlocked something I dangerous. Had it, I had it confused with Defense of the Hearth, which I always do for some reason. But yes, Pattern of Rebirth. Oh man! Enchant, enchant the creature. Let your commander die. It will go to the command zone. You get another cr- free creature into play with that. Oh, Dana, Dana, we've been talking about some some stuff now, but maybe <laughs> you should take this before I just go absolutely hog wild over how cool that pattern of rebirth is about to be. <laughs> and it's not just old and obscure cards like pattern of rebirth that are affected. Uh, Death's Oasis is an enchantment that was just in Akoria. Whenever a non-token creature you control dies, put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard. Then return a creature card with a lesser converted mana cost than the one that died from your graveyard to your hand. It's a really good way to recycle stuff, but in the past it wouldn't have triggered off of your commander dying. Now it does. So there's even really effective newer cards that are going to get a boost from this. Yeah, that is so cool. There's one final one, and this one's a little obscure. Looking at the numbers on Trek, this only shows up in 208 decks so far, and I think that it could get a bit of a boost. This is one I definitely want to try in my plus one, plus one counters, Rehan and Ishai deck. This is the card Dying Wish. Two mana enchantment. You have to enchant just a creature you control, and when the enchanted creature dies, target player loses X life and you gain X life, where X is its power. Remind you of something? It's a little bit like the card Ukima Stalking Shadow, the werewolf who deals damage when it leaves equal to its power and you gain that much life. You can now put the Ukima Good Boy ability onto any of your commanders if they get really, really big. I have, um, because that deck has so many creatures that get so big, I have an Essence Harvest in that deck to just totally wham people out of nowhere with a bunch of damage but this is a great threatening effect to put onto a commander as well to be like hey my commander's like a 28 28 it doesn't have trample but if you remove it you better watch out because this is a big swing like these are the types of cards that i'm really excited to see a shift on more than just the commanders um, but the cards within the 99 that this unlocks make me really really happy yeah and that's exactly why i think we want the listeners to know why we're spending so much time on all these cards because your commander is oftentimes the focal point of your deck. And so having all these, a whole category of these cards that suddenly get unlocked almost because they're benefiting from your commander, which is the the creature that you're going to see in more games than any other creature in your deck. So yeah, this is a very, very big change that we're very excited for because some of these cards that weren't really playable because you reliably couldn't have a, a creature worth putting these on, now you do. 
Yeah. And here's the final thing. And, and we should wrap up this conversation and talk about how this might affect things going forward. But the final thing that makes me so excited about the way that this change works is that it also applies to exile. So if a commander would be put into exile, say with a card like Banishing Light, which you exile that permanent until Banishing Light goes away, that had a very, very unintuitive trick with the former replacement effect, where you would exile the thing, but instead of going to exile, the commander would instead go back to the command zone. And if the Banishing Light was ever removed, even if the commander was in the command zone, it would still go back into play. That was a replacement effect thing that would no longer be the case because now you would banishing light exile the thing. It moves from exile to the command zone becomes a new object. So if the banishing light goes away, the commander would stay in the command zone. Like if everyone's confused listening to what I just talked about, <laughs> and that's kind of like, wait, what is he? This is a weird change. I'm not quite following. That's my point. That was yeah. a weird replacement effect that I can barely even understand. And trying to explain that, especially to a newer player, uh, it's just like this is a replacement effect with layers and blah. Like uh, no, that's not a thing anymore because now it has become a new object. It's a changing zone. You no longer have that problem with cards like Banishing Light or Grasp of Fate. That is one of the other highlights that makes me very, very happy that we no longer have to pause games and have a very drawn out conversation about this really tricky, unintuitive rules interaction. I'm so excited. But what are some other changes that you guys see that this might affect on the format going forward? Or do you see any at all? Does this affect, you think, how people might play certain cards or strategies? Will it affect the types of removal that people use? Now that there are death triggers, what do you think this might impact on the format, if it will at all? I don't think this change is going to affect how people build their decks necessarily, like defensively, I should say. No one's going to start running different spells to interact with their opponents just because their commander is now going to generate a trigger when it hits the graveyard. It's not going to change things in that regard. I think it's just going to make a lot of the commanders we mentioned that are better get a little bit better. It's going to make things like Revel and Riches, being the, the example for me, a little bit better. It's just going to make gameplay smoother, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think this is going to change a whole lot for me. I, it's just a very clean maneuver. I'm very glad that it happened. Um, I think it might change a couple things how Watsy does it now, because I know a bunch of commanders, it was, the, the wording kind of got weird because of the way the rules were for the format. I think this cleans that up, so it takes a little bit more pressure on Watsy designing cards in a very specific way. Yeah, I, I think you meant to say pressure off of them Pre in, yes. in that way. Yes, takes the, pressure off, yes, correct. Right, the example that comes to my mind is Gerard Weatherlight Hero, who had mm -hmm. a really strange go to the graveyard, then go to exile sort of sort of ability. When he dies, you exile him and then return to the battlefield all of the stuff in your graveyard that died that turn. Um, so then since he died and then moved zones, you could put him into the command zone on the second thing. They no longer have to make weird things like that. They can just yeah. have a regular old dies trigger. Um, Rayhan, last of the Obzon, I mentioned her earlier. She's one of my favorite commanders, but she has weird wording on her too, where she says, whenever one of your creatures dies or is put into the command zone. And that's always kind of like, that kind of is awkward wording that I don't even like seeing on that on that creature. Uh, it, it's just kind of weird. And now they don't have to focus on that. They can just make more commanders that have death triggers now. That is really exciting. More than any shifts in the format, the design space it opens back up for them, that's really, really cool to see. Yes, I agree. I, and I think there's, there's one kind of corner Casey thing. There were a bunch of commanders recently that had kind of leave the battlefield triggers as a way to kind of give them a little extra oomph. I don't think they need to rely on that near as much, um, but it is a nice way to have that as kind of a, a safety valve if they want to give a little bit more power to certain creatures or certain commanders in, in this instance, where it is going to be a little more beneficial compared to just a simple dies trigger. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think that was a workaround that they did intentionally use to get around the problem yeah. of commanders. But the, I think the unexpected consequence of that was those are super frustrating mechanically to play against because when your opponent is playing one of those commanders, Okima or Toothy in particular, Ooh, you yeah. feel like you really can't stop it. There, it. It's kind of got that inevitability where there's almost nothing I can do to keep this thing from generating value. So if we can move away from creating more of those because of this new rule change, that would be great, I think. Tooth, toothy especially, I, I do agree. It's, it's really hard to deal with the leave the battlefield trigger on mm-hmm. a, a nuts Simic ish <laughs> Simic adjacent type commander. Um, Ukima though, I, I, to me is probably one of the more balanced leave the battlefield abilities. Cause it's not drawing you oodles upon oodles of cards like toothy does. It's a little more time dialed it, back while it, still it being very powerful. <laughs> yeah. Like it just kills you. Only your- if you're Sheldon Mennery and you're playing against me. <laughs> No, I, oh man, Okima is a card that I've put into that Rayhan Anisha. I keep talking about that deck, but like the leaves, the battlefield trigger, the death triggers is something really important there. Okima, Okima does some damage. I'm not sure that that's less powerful than Toothy. But yeah, like the fact that they no longer have to rely upon leaves the battlefield instead of dies, that's great too, because it means that it might prevent them from accidentally creating commanders like Toothy, which has an infinite clone-ish sort of combo, or Ukima, which also has like a food chain combo now. Like that's the kind of thing that we don't, we aren't at risk of stumbling into accidentally anymore if it's going to be more dedicated to some regular old dies triggers. This is giving them more breathing room within design space, and I'm really, really happy to see that. So ah, this is just a change that I'm really excited about. It was a great uh, weekend. It was awesome to be part of that Channel Fireball event, to see all of the Commander Luminaries there, to see them raise money for such an awesome cause, for us to see that this rules change also is a good, like, this was definitely a great event uh, for me. I hope that you guys had just as great a weekend of it too. Um, I know that your excitement may not be quite to my level about this death trigger rules change, um, but but I'd love to share that excitement with you, and I hope that I have done so. We're we're more internal with our feelings, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome stuff. With that, I think what we ought to do is call this episode to a close. Thank you guys so much for joining me. And if our listeners would like to get in touch with us, where can they find you all? Matt? So you can find me on the Twitters at Mathemus55. That's M-A-T-H-I-M-U-S-5-5. And again, apparently you can find us uh, at twitch.tv slash EDH RecCast streaming every Wednesday. Indeed. Don't forget, we're going to have Tappy Toe Claws on this coming Wednesday after the show comes out. So it'll be a whole bunch of fun. And hey, Dana, where can folks find you? Uh, when Wizards wants to find me to see what I want to change about Conrad, they can reach out on Twitter at Dana Roach, and they can hear me a couple times a week on my other podcast, CMDR Central. Uh, you're evil. Uh, and I'm Joey Schultz. You can find me at Joseph M. Schultz on Twitter. You can find the cast at EDH RecCast on Facebook and on Twitter. And if you have a question, a keen insight to EDH Rec's data, or maybe a challenge of stats pick that you think that we have to know about, you can contact us at EDHRecCast at gmail.com. Uh, thanks again to Josh Lequai and the whole team at the Command Zone for handling all of the post-production work on the podcast, making it look as awesome as it does. And of course, thank you to our sponsors. Once again, they are TCG Player and CardKingdom.com. You can find them using the price info links on EDH Rec or by visiting Card kingdom.com slash idiotrek to help show your support for the show. Listeners, we'd love to hear what you think of the rules change here, what you think, any commanders or cards that this opens up that you're looking forward to. We would love to hear your ideas. And until next week, we'll be back at you with more data and insights. But, you know, until then, remember to EDH wreck your deck before you wreck your deck. (laughs) 